Welcome to the People Performance Podcast. My name is Renee Vincelli. I am a former corporate executive in banking, former project management director, mother of three, turned consultant and coach for those who want to grow their individual, team, and organizational capability. Each week, I deliver an episode focused on my two favorite topics, people and performance. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the People Performance Podcast. I am your host, Renee Vincelli. have a very exciting episode for you today. I have got Hillary Kinney on the show with me. Hillary is a recent published author of the very good book, uh, very informative, very good book, Project Management for Parents, uh, which was published and released just a couple of weeks ago and is available in bookstores everywhere. Um, so we spend the full time today with Hillary. Um, just a little bit of background on Hillary. She is a project manager with 17 years of experience at um, uh, in, really in hospitality, uh, Ritz-Carlton, Marriott Hotels. Uh, she's also the proud mother of an elementary school student. Her recent parenting accomplishments include teaching him to plan his day independently, make dinner, get his chores done without complaining, all using the tried and true um, methods of project management, which she talks about in her new book, Project Management for Parents. She is an award-winning blogger. Um, her career achievements range from facilitating a C-suite sponsored customer recognition program across 7,000 properties globally to directing special projects from the president's office at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company. Uh, while working at the Ritz-Carlton corporate headquarters, Hillary developed global communications to reinforce the company's vision and key success factors. She was also a founding member of the corporate program management office at Ritz-Carlton. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the show. I thought, um, I think this book that Hillary has written is very good. We have a very good uh, conversation here about how these concept of concepts of project management apply very well to this notion of parenting, which is what Hillary's book is all about. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Hillary, thank you so much for being with us today um, on the People Performance Podcast. I have been looking forward to our conversation. Um, last time we got together, you were getting ready to launch your new book, which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, uh, Project Management for Parents. I'm so excited to hear all about it and how it's going and how the response has been. Um, before we do that, I thought we would talk a little bit about you and about your background, both on the, um, the, the professional side as well as on the personal side. So maybe to start, tell the audience a little bit about your career in project management. Absolutely, Renee. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So my uh, career in project management, currently I work at Marriott International Headquarters as a, a corporate director over uh, loyalty member experience. So I um, oversee projects that impact the loyalty program, um, which is a lot of fun. I love rolling out projects. Bonvoy, um, right? Yes, exactly. Thank you for the plug. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you a member? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I was I actually called them um, today because I was working on some issues with my membership and needed to call. So that's why it was so top of mind. Oh, good. Excellent. Yeah, I work with the call centers quite a bit. So maybe help um, me then. 
Yes. <laughs> um, so I've been with Marriott about 20 years, and most of that was at the Ritz-Carlton corporate um, headquarters uh, for about 17 years. Again, working mainly in um, special projects and communications. Um, so my background is hospitality, mainly luxury hospitality. I love travel. I grew up, my dad was a diplomat, so we grew up traveling overseas. I think that sort of gave me the bug. Um, and project management just really suits my personality. There's something about working with the teams and, and being organized and rolling things out is just incredibly satisfying. I just love, I love project management. Excellent. And tell us a little bit about your family and your journey as a parent. Well, mine's an interesting journey. I'm an adoptive mother of a wonderful now 10 year old. Um, and it, it, was a, it was a long journey to get here. Um, it took us about three years in a very lengthy adoption process with three different countries, three different forms of um, adoption paperwork. And um, it's just really difficult to go through the adoption process because you're co constantly expecting and waiting, very emotional um, and very administrative all at the same time. Um, so I would, I would correlate that to my biggest personal project I've ever had to tackle when sort of my two worlds came together. So, um, we started looking at an agency actually in Texas, um, and we filed that paperwork, um, but nothing was happening there after about a year filed in Uganda and then that country shut down their international adoptions. And then we filed for Ethiopia. And while we were waiting for uh, Ethiopia, we got a call from our um, social worker in our home state who said, there's a baby boy who's been born in your home state. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's available for adoption. And it was a total surprise because we were expecting to adopt internationally, which, you know, has older children. Mm -hmm. So within 30 days, we had this precious boy in our home, a newborn baby. And um, it was really parenting um on speed dial right because <laughs> we, i hadn't been reading any baby books right you weren't prepared <laughs> I exactly was just preparing for an older child yeah so um literally we were reading what to expect your first year the day we picked him up oh, wow. and we just read like month by month okay what can we expect <laughs> to happen um because we just um we just weren't expecting to take care of a newborn um, but it's just so fun. I mean, you know, parenting, it has its highs and its lows, but it's just really fun now to just see how he's maturing and developing. And um, it's just, you know, it's absolutely cool. that's that's great. I want to talk a little bit more about your adoption um, experience here in a few minutes, too. So tell us about your new book, Project Management for Parents. I must tell you, um, being a mom of three, and then also having a background in project management and building this new phase of my career around, to some degree, the, the, the uh, connection of both of those things, both of them being in my background. I was so excited when I met you to find that there is someone else that thinks about the world in a similar way, to some degree, to say that there, you know, there's project management, there's parenting, in some ways these are connected things, and someone that has a passion in both, both of these, these areas of life. So tell us about the book um, and how it came to be and uh, how it's going. I know it's been out for about a week now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was, um, it was interesting because I always sort of, you know, had my project management life and my parenting life. I never really thought of them as intersecting. Um, and then um, the pandemic hit, right? And everything's happening at home. We've got, you know, my, my son's school closed. 
Um, we're all working from home. There's no child care. There's no after school activities. There's no sports. Like everything's at home. And all of a sudden we're supposed to wear these five hats that, you know, we didn't have to before. Um, and then I started hearing about all, all these other parents are the same pressures. Um, and I just started thinking about it and I was like, you know, this is a resource allocation issue that we deal with in, in projects, right? You've got to roll out a project. You never have enough resources to do it. You never have enough time and you got to figure out how to get the work done while staying extremely organized and making sure that your priorities are in the right place. Um, so it started as a LinkedIn article with five points of, oh, you know, maybe these people will find it helpful. Um, and then it just kind of took off from there. Um, it turned into a speech for International Project Management Day that it really seemed to resonate with people. And I was like, oh, well, maybe there's something here. And then a mentor encouraged me to, just to start writing to see you know, what I thought because I hadn't planned to write a book. And I realized that I really enjoyed the writing process and there was enough to share. Um, and then fortunately that turned into a book deal which um, came out on February 1st. And how's it going so far? It's great. It's been really exciting. Like you, you never know like what the response is going to be. And it's a little, you just don't know what people are going to think. And I was like, our project manager is going to think that, you know, I'm keeping, I'm making it too simple, but the response in the project management community has been really positive. And I did a speech at Marriott to my division there and the parents were excited saying, oh, I can apply this. This is really simple. So it's been really, really encouraging because you just don't know when you put right. something out there, what it's going to be like. And, um, and sales are really good. And it's in Barnes and Noble and some other bookstores. And I think Amazon's already on back order. So it's just been really fun to see um, that it's helping people, right? Because that's ultimately yep. what the goal is. Absolutely. Well, congratulations um, on the, the great reception so far. It's, it's exciting to hear it's already sold out at Amazon. That's a good sign. So congratulations. Yeah, so in the book, um, I want to get into a little bit of the, the content of the book now, maybe a little bit of a preview for the audience and, and everybody go out and buy this too, so you can get more of it, uh, more of the content beyond this episode of, uh, of the show here. Um, but to get into the content of the book a little bit, you talk in the book a little bit more about the adoption of your son and how in, in your case, um, you know, the idea was yours first. And then you shared um, with your husband that this was something that you wanted to do and you had to kind of think about it and really think through and work through together um, that process. And then ultimately um, you move forward and, and here you are and your, your son um, now is 10. But, you know, the, the question I wanted to ask you, you know, as I was reading the book, it occurred to me and especially hearing your story, how, what is your perspective on how important it is for parents to be aligned together uh, for the, you know, the quote unquote project of parenting to work, because that was something I really thought a lot about as I was reading it, that, you know, if you've got two parents in a household and one wants to go one direction, the other one wants to go another direction, how, how does that work typically? And, and what is your perspective there? Right. I think that's a really good question um, because parenting is a huge shit of life. And I don't think we really talk about that, right? We talk about babies and how cute they are and the registry and all this great stuff, but I don't think it's really talked about like the huge impact it has on your schedule and your budget and your time and just so many things that change. Um, so um, I think it's really important to have like a, a really good conversation about, oh, okay, well, what are we gonna do when the kid needs to pick, be picked up from school you know, at three o'clock every day, or, you know, what are we going to do for childcare the first five years of their life? Because people just don't talk about that. And I don't think, I didn't fully realize how much time 
Emmett took, you know, have little kids, right? Mm-hmm. I think we're sort of sold this, this, this um, messaging that, you know, we can be superhuman, we can be super moms, we can do it all. And I just can't do that. Like for right. me, it's just not realistic. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I think it's really important to have a conversation with it about with your partner and um, just start thinking about all the different things and talk to other parents to get a realistic perspective. Um, and start having those conversations up front. Okay, what are we going to do about our, our work schedule? Um, and, you know, what are we going to do about our budget? Or, you know, you know, all these different things that need to be talked about to make sure you're aligned. And then it just makes it easier because once the kid comes, you have no time and you're exhausted. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Better to have those conversations early um, so that you're going in with both eyes wide open and, and you're prepared. Yeah. You know, to your point, you know, one of the things as I was reading the book um, in the first few chapters, especially, is it's very relevant for folks who maybe are kind of blending their families, right? And they are, maybe they've gone through some amount of change. Maybe there's a, a marriage and there's this blending of families and you have to kind of have to bring that group together in a way where we're going to align around a, a common set of values or a common set of priorities or a common set of um, perspectives on how we move the family forward. And I, I felt like as I was reading it, that there is a lot of really practical good advice in that realm um, that, that is beneficial. Can you talk a little bit about that? Some of the best tips that you, um, you have in the book for, for folks that are in that situation. You know, I equate it a little bit to you know, I, I'm not sure if you've been through a, a merger or an acquisition and in, in your work life, but in my life, I've been through that. And as I was reading it, I'm like, this feels very, you know, to kind of continue the business analogies a little bit, it feels very similar to some very practical advice for, for that. And, you know, I know a lot of um, my friends, the audience of the show, different folks, they've been through this, right? They've been through um, this parenting um maybe with a partner that's, you know, got a different, that has different children from their own and they bring them together and we have to move forward as one family. So I was very curious to hear your perspective on that. Cause I really got that theme in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It ties into the, the theme of communication, which is really important at home and at work. I'd say at work that projects live and die on communication. You can have a great project, but if it's not mm-hmm. communicated well, it's, you know, it's going to fail. Mm-hmm. I think communication is the key point through all of this. And, you know, especially, um, like you said, whether it's a, a merger or two families coming together, um, these are two unknown entities, right, that are coming to become one entity. Um, and there's, there's unknowns and there's fear and it's a change. Um, so I think what's most important is to think about the emotions first. And I think that's important for any project is always consider the emotions and the impact of this change and it's having on people and really talk them through what's happening and be there for them to help them navigate those emotions. Because any big change or any divorce is huge, right? It impact on people and that's gonna trigger a grief response. Mm-hmm. Um, so really consider that in the process that they're gonna be sad about it. They may be angry about it. You know, they may get depressed about it and just be prepared for that and help support them through that um, as you go through this change. And then as the families are coming together, um, again, it's communication because they're two unknowns. And the more you talk about it, the more familiar and less scary it is. It's just like with any merger at a company, you have to over communicate, like right. don't withhold information, give them the good and the bad. 
and, right. and talk about, sure, it's going to be hard. And, you know, you may have to share a room with someone, you know, who you don't know too well, but you guys are going to be, you know, brothers and sisters, and you're gonna have a lot of fun together. And you're gonna have a playmate when you didn't have a playmate before. So talk about the good and the bad, right? Um, and just be honest with them. So I think the emotions are really important first. And then like with any companies coming together, they both have previously had different visions, right? Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to align your visions as a family. But for blended families, I, I think it's important first to focus on um, getting to know each other better. Mm -hmm. And ways you can do that is through family activities and team building activities. So, um, you know, we love to hike. So go for a hike together or go on a camping trip together or go on a vacation together, just something so you can get to know each other more on a personal level. Mm -hmm. And again, that opens up those lines of communication or start having regular game nights or, you know, during dinner, you know, we call them icebreakers at work. Like everyone share a silly joke, right? Just something to sort of send it up a little and make it fun. And those fun activities will start that bonding process and help people understand each other, you know, ask, ask them questions like, oh, you know, what's your favorite food or just little things so they can, you know, get, understand each other a little bit more. So yeah, I, I recommend starting with the communication and the team building first for blended families, because you kind of have to back it up a little bit. And then you can get more into, okay, let's talk about what's our shared family vision. You know, mm -hmm. what values do we want to align around? what I want to align around. Um, and you can start having conversations of like, okay, well, what do we want our home life to look like? How do we want to treat each other mm -hmm. and have those deeper conversations of what you want that fam family dynamic to be like? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think that's all really good advice. And I, um, I liked the family activities in the book and some of those, those conversations, those guided conversations and input on those, um, those family activities you're talking about and, and team building and those concepts. I thought those were very good. I also feel like, you know, too, as you're, as you were sharing, anytime there's a big change that's sort of out of folks control, you know, COVID would be a good example of this. It's a good opportunity to kind of come back to those things. So, you know, once you, once you're in a rhythm or maybe, you know, a family's always been in a good rhythm, things can come out of left field that take that rhythm away from you. So, you know, COVID, maybe there's a, um, a, an illness in the family of some sort, or there's financial hard times or whatever the case might be. I think there's really practical, good tips and tools and frameworks and activities in the book that can bring people back to, okay, we're frantic and we're chaotic and we don't know what to do. Let's kind of come back to how can we kind of get grounded again as a family and move mm -hmm. forward together in a good way. So I, I encourage, um, encourage the audience, you know, if you guys are, are struggling with any of those things I mentioned, um, or anything, any of the things we're talking about, the, the book definitely has got some really good, helpful tools in that way. Yeah, another tool is just a family meeting. It sounds official, but it can just be something simpler, like, you know, once a week, ask them like, what went well this week? Or what didn't go so well this week? And what do we want different to be different next week? And that could be really useful conversation for a blended family. And for little kids, you can use the analogy of a rose flower, like, okay, what was our beautiful flower this week? What was our thorn? And what's our bud for next week? Um, and again, that just opens up those lines of communication and, and they appreciate it, right? Because you're checking on them and getting their input. Absolutely. So one topic I know from a, a one project management guru um, to another um, in this field uh, that is important and dear to your heart, I know is change management. You've, you've been talking about it a little bit already. 
um, I think as parents, it's very easy with our kids to not kind of think about it in a way that we would think about it, like in a work setting, you know, you go through your ad car methodology or, you know, whatever methodology you're thinking about. And it's very easy as parents to just say, well, no, this is what you're going to do. And this is what we're going to do as a family, because I told you, this is what we're going to do. I'm the mother. I, I said so. so. <laughs> I told you so. Yeah. I'm the mom. Yeah. No and, questions. <laughs> right. And so I think, you know, I think we all know that doesn't really work. The kid may be um, compliant. They may go do the thing that they're being told they have to do because mom said so, but they're not really doing it. You know, as we say with their heart and minds, like they're not, they're not doing it because they want to do it. They're doing it because they're told. And sometimes you have to go that route, but other times you, you, you don't want that. You want to have a more thoughtful approach. Can you talk a little bit about some of the concepts of change management applied to families and parenting that you uh, take on in the book? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, um, First of all, there are real, a lot of benefits to change management because you're involving the people in the work and in the change, or it's the focus on basically the people side, right? Where people think of project management as the task, change management is the people. Mm -hmm. So um, the, the benefit of change management is you're involving people in it. And in kids, not only does it increase buy-in and participation, but it also builds their executive functioning skills because mm -hmm. you're helping them think and problem solve and plan and that only serves them long, long term at school and in future jobs. So um, it may seem time consuming because it is. I mean, it, it involves and, and talking and gathering input. But I think if we think of the long term benefits of it, um, and that's our goal as parents, right? To bring our kids up so they can function as adults on their own. And we're really sort of building into them through these processes by involving them. Um, so I like to. Um, a good analogy is a kid learning how to ride a bike. Mm -hmm. So I love ADCAR, which is from ProSci, mm -hmm. um, which you love too. So the first step is awareness. So say your child um, wants to ride his bike. So he's aware he wants to ride his bike. Um, and so that's the first step. And he knows he has to learn how to ride his bike. And the second one is desire. Does he want to ride his bike? So if he doesn't want to ride his bike, he's probably not going to want to put the work in, right? So he sees the other neighborhood kids riding his bike. He's like, okay, I want to play with the other neighborhood kids. So that's the desire part. Um, and then there's the knowledge part. They need to know how to do it. And that's our part as parents is, you know, getting them the bike, you know, showing them the pedals, showing them how to do it, how the brakes work. Um, and that's the knowledge. Um, and then the other one is the ability. Are they physically able to do it? You know, are they, are they able to do it? And in my son's case, he had the awareness. He had a very strong desire. He knew how to do it, um, and he asked for his training wheels to be taken off, so we took them off, but he just wasn't quite there yet. He wasn't quite able to balance, and he wasn't mm -hmm. strong enough yet to stay upright, um, so he was all there, except he just, he couldn't, he wasn't quite there yet, so we had to back up, put the training wheels back on, and do some more, like, training with him mm -hmm. and work on his abilities to be able to ride his bike, and then we reinforced it through practice and more practice on his bike. So I think if we think through of it, you know, they need to know how to do it. They want, they need to want to do it. Um, and how you get to that desire is talk to them, involve them early, mm -hmm. ask for their input, um, and then build it together, right? Work on it together um, yeah. for things that they may not be as interested in. Um, you know, like for my son with his chores, well, how do you want to do that? Or, you know, what, or give them, you know, some independence um, in how they go about 
how they go about it, and you'll get much more participation and compliance, good co compliance in the long run. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I was just sharing with my husband um, yesterday. We were talking about my oldest son, who's almost eight, his his book report. So he has a, a book report every month that he has to do for school, and they give him all month to do it, and you know, it's several pages long of a form he has to fill out and things. And um, I have been in the habit of telling him, you know, you need to work on this. And this weekend, I decided, you know what, I'm going to tell him he needs to work on it. And then I'm going to ask him, when would you like to work on it this weekend? It's up to you. What do you think would be a good time for you to work on it and give him the flexibility and the freedom to tell me and to choose the point in the weekend that he would like to work on this book report versus me sort of saying, no, you're going to sit down and you're going to do this right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so yeah. I feel like some of what you're describing is probably age dependent too. It's probably, you know, what you're yep. going to say to a 10 year old or a 12 year old is different than what you're going to say to yep. a four year old. Um, but definitely I think what you're saying resonates, a, you know, even you know, as adults and certainly as, as kids, um, like what we're saying, people want to feel like they have a say and that, they're, that they have a voice and that they've been yep. heard and, and all of that. So that, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, and also to make it age appropriate, I remember those book reports with my son too. And for him, it was too overwhelming to think about the whole thing. Yeah. So we were just, so think about the tasks in an age appropriate way. So one day we'd be like, okay, let's write down the title. And that was enough for one day. Mm -hmm. um, and the next day we're like, okay, we're going to think about, okay, what's your opinion of the book? So we did that another day. And then, and then he was able to, and then we're like, okay, we'll do like two or three sentences a day after that. And we really had to like chunk it out into really small pieces. Yeah. Every kid's different, you know, some, some kids would be happy to write the book report all at once, but, you know, you just kind of have to consider each child and how they're wired and, and through those conversations is when you kind of help figure it out together. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I wanted to get your thoughts on um, related to constraints and priorities. Um, one thing I have been working on a lot personally over the past few months is creating good personal habits and routines. So, you know, every, every book you read, everything, every self-help or self-improvement person in the world will tell you, you need to have good routines and good habits for yourself. Um, you know, mental health, emotional health, physical health, all of these things. Um, it's very hard when you have young children to do this well. It's just the conclusion I've come to. And so I found that the only only solution or the only answer for myself is to get up in the morning as early as I can before everybody else is awake and to use that time for myself, um, for my own, my own priorities, whatever they might be. So exercise or reading or, or what have you. And, you know, I don't do this perfectly. There's certainly days where I can't get up early and I, you know, I need, needed to go, go to bed uh, earlier the night before, but I do, I do the best I can. So can you talk about you know, in this realm of constraints and priorities, and maybe, maybe talk about that more broadly too. Um, how does self-care and personal habits come into play for you and how do you make time for them? Yeah, absolutely. So maybe you could give me some tips. Sure. Well, parenting is tough and you have three kids, which is, a, and um, the thing with kids is they don't stick to a schedule. Well. No, they don't. <laughs> they do not. <laughs> and you never know what's going to pop up when. Um, so I'll just start with me personally, what I had to do is I had to like, cause I need to exercise, like exercise is what keeps me going. So I, I wanted to exercise twice a week and I just had to, well, first of all, back then my gym had childcare, which was huge. Right. Mm -hmm. So he could come with me and I could work out. 
And then the other days I would kind of work it out with my husband, like, okay, I want to go work out. And he knew that was his time with my son. So we kind of talked about it in advance. So for me, just sticking to that schedule kind of set the expectation with myself and reminded me, oh, it's Wednesday. I'm supposed to go to the gym. So I wouldn't forget because, you know, as a parent, it's really easy to forget. It is. So just sticking to the same day of the week was key for me. And then just figuring out who, who can help me with it, right? Is it childcare or is it my husband or, you know, because of the grandparents? Yeah. You know, I remember my just parents coming and they were here for a week and I'm like, okay, I'm going to the gym. You guys are in charge, you know, and just prioritizing yourself. Like that's important. Right. And we'll be better parents if we take care of ourselves. So I think just reminding ourselves that it's important and you kind of have to commit to it. And I just know that I'll have a better week if I do that um, in the long run. Um, but also just giving ourselves grace. Like I've come to understand that as a parent, I don't get those big chunks of time like I used to, right? It's kind of, it's more choppy, especially mm-hmm. if your kids are home and, and they're not in school. Um, so I've, I've sort of had to reduce my expectation of having really long focused time yeah. and, and try to get things done in smaller, smaller pieces, um, which is hard. Um, but on a broader level, I think, first of all, we need to set ourselves up for success. Because um, to your point about constraints, I love my favorite theory in project management is the strengths. I think it's brilliant. And basically what it is, is we manage to our limits of any project. So each project has a limited budget. We can't go over budget. It's got a limited amount of time and we've got, you know, a certain amount of work we need to, to do. So in project management, we think about that as a triangle and you've got to fit everything into that triangle. Um, And I like to expand that to parents and also include quality of life along with this work and time and money that we have. Um, And also expand it when we think of work that's not only like our parents' work and our kids' education, you know, there's extracurricular activities in there. We also have to consider our own health and safety um, all in there too. So there are all these different considerations, like what are we going to fit in our triangle, which I expand to a stop sign in the book. Mm -hmm. So I think first of all, we have to set ourselves up for success because it's like a water balloon. If you try to shove all too much in the water balloon with too much work or too much activities or too much going on, your water balloon is going to burst. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what happens when people get burnt out. Right. Yep. Um, Or, you know, the, the partners aren't getting along. It's just too much stress. Yeah. It's just not working. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the part of the book is I think the one that you're talking about now and that that chapter where you go through the current versus desired family plan and kind of looking at those different aspects of life and having folks kind of think through how important is this? How important do we want it to be? You know, how much is on our plate? Is it reasonable? And kind of going through that exercise where you're really examining that because I, I think we've gotten in this place in society, I think where we've got like where chaos and insanity are kind of the norm. And we, that constant hamster wheel of just go, go, go more activities, more work, more extracurriculars. Um, just like you said, taking care of our health, taking care of all the things we have on our plate. We've just sort of said, well, we're just going to keep, we're just going to keep on this hamster wheel and keep going. And eventually it's not sustainable. And so what I loved about that exercise, when I looked at it, and as you described it, is it, it sort of forces people to sit down and say, okay, for this season of life or this part of this point in our lives, these things are the most critical. Let's deliberately make decisions to prioritize these within our constraints mm-hmm. and deprioritize the others. And so I think, um, 
for everybody listening, I think that is, I'm guessing if you're like me and I'm guessing if you're like Hillary, it's something you always have to be thinking about. Yeah. Um, Cause it's just, I think something all parents think about. So certainly that's a great yeah. part of the book to, to, uh, to take a look at. And it's super helpful to those big categories and keep them in mind. I was talking to another parent who'd gone through the exercise in the book and she had on her out list, she was like not attending school meetings more than like twice a year. Mm. And so she got a call from school saying, oh, we haven't seen you at a meeting recently. Can you attend? And she remembered, oh, I realized in our plan that was too much. So I said, oh, she, she declined it. So mm. it's a good reminder just to like hold yourself accountable and remember, you know, what you committed to. Um, and then important for everyone to look at their own family differently and, and, and don't compare yourself to other families. Mm-hmm. Everyone's different. Like in my family, my son and I have a lot of food allergies. So that takes a lot of my time. I have to make a lot of our own food. Mm-hmm. And I also, my mom is aging and um, she lives close by. So um, I help take care of her as well. So you kind of have to factor those in. So those are like big parts of my stop sign that limits me to be do, able to do other things. So my stop sign is going to look different than someone else's stop sign, right? Hey, you know, we're not going to be able to do the 20 activities, you know, each week. Um, we're just a little, you know, that's just the reality of our schedule. So I just think it's important for people to just personalize it to their, their own life and think about you know, what's the quality of life do they want? And factor in that family time. Do we want to have family dinner three nights a week, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. is that something we want to put on the calendar and commit to? So we make sure it doesn't get lost in the shuffle when we get asked to volunteer for something, you know, and we sign up when, oh, we just, you know, lost out on that, that family time that we agreed that was so important. Absolutely. And just the point you made about everybody's different, right? So there is no right way. There is no, um, there is no magic formula that's the same for everyone. And I feel like sometimes with these kinds of topics, people think, well, if I can just be like so-and-so, or if I can just, you know, approach this like so-and-so, I'll be good. But, you know, to your point, you've got your own individual constraints and considerations and obstacles and priorities and things you value that are different than everybody else's. And so I, I totally agree with that. I think um, the book does a really good job of, of walking through how to think about those things ind- individually in each family. Um, which is really good. So there's really just a ton of valuable information in the book. And I imagine for many people who are looking to adopt some of these principles and concepts into their family, that it might be tough to put them all into place at one time, right? So there's just a lot in there and you could you could be a project in and of itself thinking through, well, what should I do first? So where do you recommend that folks start uh, to begin putting some of these ideas into action once they've read the book? Sure. Well, um, the book starts with building teamwork, and I think that's the most important step. So before you launch into, you know, you know, getting your family on board with like, you know, a new chore chart or whatever, really open up those lines of communication and start with that um, team building part. Um, you know, start just talking more over family dinner about how things are going, maybe do a, a couple more activities. Um, you know, if you want to come up with a family mission statement, that's great. And again, it doesn't have to be fancy. Honestly, we bought ours um, from a store. We just found one that we liked. Mm-hmm. Some people like to get them, you know, I had dreams of getting one personally designed at Etsy, but that just didn't <laughs> happen. So, you know, just keep it simple. Um, and I always recommend to use the simplest amount of documentation needed to keep you organized. The goal is to um, 
keep you organized and save you time in the long run is not to add process. Yeah. Um, oh, amen. And that's, that's true for corporate life as well, absolutely. right? <laughs> yeah. No one likes the project manager who's paying them for project <laughs> updates every week. Right. And yep. when they're going nowhere. So only ask for what you need. <laughs> the least amount of documentation that's necessary. No exactly. more. Everyone can get the work done faster. Right. That's and for right. family and for family, families, you just have for fun. And the, none of the parents want to be, you know, spending time updating all these processes because it's right. got to work for the parents too. It's not only about the kids, it's for the parents right. as well, because they're all part of the same team. Absolutely. So what is the number one thing, you know, if you think about, you know, one weekend, you've got your book, if, you know, it's a year from now or five years from now, or, you know, however, whatever long, um, whatever time frame you think is appropriate, what's the number one thing that, you know, years from now, you're hoping you can accomplish for others as a result of writing this book? Well, I want families, I mean, this sounds odd, but I want people to, families to have more joy, right? Like, oh, it's, it's a project wonderful. management work, you know, book yep. that's about work and getting things done but the goal is to get it done so you can have more fun together right mm -hmm. no one likes doing chores i mean maybe some people do but i don't particularly enjoy house cleaning but how can you get it done just so you can focus on what matters most to you um and really cherish those memories as a family in the long term yeah you know i th i would take it a step further i think what your book does is it helps people identify what they really care about too i think there's some value in there even beyond the execution of of doing the things that matter. It's also in the identifying what matters. And I, I definitely mm -hmm. see elements in your book that speak to that um, and just helping people think more and think differently and think strategically about their family so that they can execute that project in a, in a good way. So I, I think that's great. Right. Yep. And to think about those different categories, right? Like identify, okay, what's the quality of life we want? What's, you know, what are these different components of my life that they may have not thought about before and you, and, and get really specific about what they, they need and that communication piece and that talking with each other, um, you know, really helps people understand what the different priorities are and how that comes together as one family. Absolutely. So Hillary, this podcast, um, the People Performance Podcast, it's all about two things, people and performance. No shock, that's the name of the podcast. Um, people are the lifeblood of companies and projects and teams, and clearly they're the lifeblood of families and having a healthy home environment. And so I'm curious, you know, one of the things I like to ask the guests that are on our show, on my show, um, what do you want your legacy to be as it relates to both people and performance? And, and maybe I'll throw parenting in there too. Absolutely. Well, I like to define project management as it's the people plus the process working mm -hmm. together. And when you do that well, um, that's when you get really high performance. So that's how I see it all connecting together. Um, and what I would love to see is just that the project management is so powerful I'd like to share that power of project management, you know, with everyone, you know, I'd love to do a book on like for teenagers or for young adults and how you can like improve the quality of your life through these different things. And they're, they're life skills that everybody needs, you know, and you can apply it to any job, just like you can apply the project management framework to any industry. You know, there are project managers that use it for construction. I use it for hospitality. Um, there's just so much power there. I just want to get the word out. Mm-hmm. And, and improve the quality of people li of lives and help them, you know, get the things done that they need to get done. 
Absolutely. So maybe there's a book series in your future. We start with parents and we have- I hope so. I hope I, so. I can see it. I can see it <laughs> happening. I think there's a little bit different application for each group that you're talking about, but I, I can totally see um, the relevance and the, and the value there. So absolutely. Well, Hillary, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to hearing how the book goes. Thank you. Thank you, you so much, Renee. I hope you enjoyed that conversation today with Hillary Kinney. Um, really great book that she has. I encourage everybody to go out to Amazon.com or wherever you buy your books, Barnes & Noble, and pick up a copy of Project Management for Parents. I think you will get a lot of a lot out of it. Um, there's a lot of great tips and tricks in, in the book. So thank you for the time today, folks. I appreciate you listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. If you believe that there is work that we can do together in this realm of people, performance, parenting, project management, coaching, all things uh, people and performance, please reach out to me. Um, this is what I love to do, helping organizations, teams, and people uh, be their best selves both at work and at home. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me at my website, ReneeVincelli.com, or you can send me an email at Renee at .com. That is all for now, folks. Remember, people are the creators of performance. People are greater than performance, and people come before performance. Hope you have a great day. Thank you.